Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Locked Down Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons. Cybersecurity encompasses so many facets of business risk. Wrapping your head around it can be overwhelming and stressful. Join us to learn how to tie cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices while gaining an understanding of technical and non-technical approaches to security and privacy, regardless of tenure in the field. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hey, everybody, this is Kayla, and you're listening to the Lockdown Podcast with Kayla and Taylor, the show that helps you make sense of all things security, tying cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices for people who love all things technical and all things risk-related. Today, we're talking about privacy, uh, a topic that has become a huge point of interest and also a point of pain for many global companies over the last few years, especially with the outset of the GDPR regulations that literally shook the world up. Taylor, do you have any experiences with GDPR off the top of your head? Uh, Too much and not enough at the same time. I have enough GDPR experience that I know when it comes up, I typically look the other way or try to run the other way is probably the better way to say that. GDPR is one of those one of those acronyms that I think that has been used to scare um, or tacti- tactfully approach data residency requirements or data privacy. And it, it's done so in a way that I think that maybe we've over-rotated on it. Mm-hmm. And we over-rotated in a way that we didn't fully comprehend the policy that was passed or the intent in which it was passed for. And we oftentimes make decisions hiding behind that nuanced communication that we may or may not fully understand. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, you've hit the nail on the head with that one because we're still going through cycles of of, of court cases where decisions are being made by judges that then impact the implementation of the privacy controls. And that even though GDPR is for Europe, it does have different nuances in every European nation as well. So, yeah, um, it's huge. I think that the other thing is like, when you start talking about data privacy, like immediately, so if someone comes into you, uh-huh. comes into your office, say, say you're in the office, wild, I know, return to office and everything. So say someone comes in and says, what, what's your stance on data privacy? What is the first thing that you think of when someone says, what's your stance on data privacy? I always ask a clarifying question of <laughs> what country? What are we talking about here? Are you talking about U.S. where there's no overarching real federal laws and regulations? Are we talking about Canada? Are we talking about South America, EU, the U.K., Asia? What, what what are we talking about? And then that can help shape my my response <laughs> to that. And that's why you're the CISO and I'm not. I just say, hey, the data's private. And I try and move on. Data, data privacy is a hard subject. I think that's why they created Data Privacy Week. And oddly enough, we're recording this in the middle of Data Privacy Week. 
I think that as we're talking about this, there still seems to be a lot of confusion around data privacy and how data privacy and cybersecurity are related, but also separate entities when you really think about it. And I'd love to understand your perception of the differentiating factors between privacy and cybersecurity. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is something where I could go down a rabbit hole. So I'm going to try to pull it up a bit. So I apologize in advance if I go down a rabbit hole here. If you start Um, ranting. Yeah, I do that, don't I? Uh, Uh, If you think about a Venn diagram where you have the Venn diagram is like the two circles and they overlap, but that that piece. Thank you for making me do that. That don't turn that into a meme if anyone is looking at this, please. <laughs> they do certainly over like overlap. There is an intersection there where data privacy revolves around rules and guidelines and your personal choices about who has access to your data, how much access they have, how often they can access it, and like how they're going to use that data. Where cybersecurity then is the controls that get put in place to make sure that only people that have a business need to access your data can do that. So access management or how long they have that type of access for, again, access management and like what they're doing with your data when they have that, are they collecting too much? That's where you get purpose, like the limitations, the minimization, are they obfuscating it so that if someone was to hack in and see your data, are they able to make sense of it? So they, they certainly, they complement one another where if you think about an organization where you have like legal gives you the opinion on how you should implement things and then everybody else just listens and does it, it's very much where privacy is telling you the the breadth of the controls that you and processes you have to put in place and then cybersecurity goes and executes against those. But it's not just security, right? It's your product team, it's your engineering team, it's your marketing team, finance, HR, all of these functions have a role to play when we start to talk about data privacy. Because organizations probably, by now I think would know, but probably at the beginning were probably like, oh yeah, I don't have any EU employees, so I don't have to worry about their privacy when GDPR came out. But absolutely, yeah, you had to. And companies were being asked these questions by their customers. In the States here, as I mentioned before, we don't have a federal law really. That's We have HIPAA, which has privacy ramifications. Right. And there are little things, nuanced things in other cybersecurity programs that touch upon privacy. But until we get a full federal law here, it's kind of every man for himself, every state for himself, if you will. So there's there is certainly a lot of moving pieces here, but they are two complementary disciplines that are not going anywhere anytime soon. That's super interesting because to me, it's almost like big brother, little brother type of relationship, except I see data privacy as little brother to cybersecurity, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know that you can have a, a data privacy program without having a secure company culture. And that obviously starts with your cybersecurity program. What are you doing? Do you have DLP? Are you guys internally marking documents? Uh, Are you even labeling the file types and understanding the data that resides within those? Because while I agree, you only have certain things like HIPAA and PCI DSS, which controls like federal controls around data and its storage and classification, there are other areas and like PII, 
I think that there needs to be a federal regulation around PII and what's truly considered PII, especially as you go into the OSINT market, start having fun, start poking around like property records, the, the things that are publicly available how do you secure those or how do you consider them private data or the rights of privacy whenever all this information exists on an online database that's free and legally accessible? It's not like we're buying records off deep dark web. You can literally go to you know your county website, search up property records, input an address, and like the amount of information is crazy. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's definitely a problem. And I understand the right to having access to certain information, but it is a big concern. So working in the field that we work in, we, we always say like laws and regulations don't always make, mean security. Right now, we don't have the laws and regulations that are standardized across the U.S. to help protect individuals. And people here, we're very blasé about our approach to privacy because we're so used to not having any. But in in the positions that I've been in over the last few years since GDPR has come out, we've had at the, the different organizations, U.S. citizens saying, I want you to forget me, right? They say mm-hmm. the, the, the right to be forgotten. Yeah. And they ask for the access to the data that we have on them, which I think... Facebook, I think, was a great example of that because they had the button you could push and yep. you could, this report spit out. And many companies have been working towards that or have already implemented something of that nature. But I remember when that first happened, that capability. And I, I had gotten the Facebook account when I was in college. Like, the, I, I'm dating myself here, but I graduated <laughs> <laughs> from high school in 2004. And my class was like the first class that they had opened it up to outside of Harvard, I believe. As long as you had the at edu.edu address, yep. you could have an account. And they had an information on me going way, way back. And I just couldn't believe that they had it. And I'm like, why do they still have it? Why do they need it? Why haven't they deleted this information? There's no reason to retain it. Come to find, obviously, we all found out later, like the, the Cambridge Analytica issues that, <laughs> that they had, that they were target marketing. But I think from the U.S. perspective, we have definitely gotten too used to having targeted ads and getting the junk mail and all of that comes with the lack of privacy. For those of us that obviously have uh, military and DOD backgrounds, our data has been leaked so many times that it's it's not even worth keeping up with at this point. Uh, and, And that like that really leads into interesting things because we have seen the evolutions of data privacy leaks. We've seen revisions to HIPAA. We've seen revisions to what's considered PII and publicly accessible information and publicly accessible systems. And I think that creates, uh, to your point, it creates a a situation without an overarching government body or set of laws that we're abiding by. Mm -hmm. We interpret things as the letter in which data privacy exists and not the intent in which it it should be used. Mm -hmm. And and knowing that, I I can't imagine, I'm very blessed, I, I lead a lot, I've led and, and still lead a lot of implementation type teams, customer support type teams, where you know, a lot of the information that we gather that we have access to is just very expected. 
And I know like selfishly, there are things that we as a leader, I shouldn't have access to for you know, customers or for partners, things like that. But from sitting in your perspective, knowing that you deal with customer contracts or you deal with customer contacts, you, you deal with government space and, and you have these evolving you know, regulations. How do you build out a successful program around data privacy without saying, hey, you need uh, two signatures and an executive approver to go look at this file, which is going to add three, three days onto your business operations of executing this task. Yeah, you hit the he- the nail on the head with that before when you said having a strong security program. When you go to a blank whiteboard to start drafting your privacy program, the first thing you want to look at is who's the most stringent in the jurisdictions in which I operate. So that means if you're an international company looking at all the laws and regulations and having a, a lawyer <laughs> tell mm-hmm. you what the most stringent is, and in most cases, it's going to be GDPR, full stop. But when you're just a domestic company here in the U.S. and you're only serving United States customers, that might be CCPA, CCPRA, which is the the new amendment, or Massachusetts state law. So you get to look and see what those stringent requirements are there and building a program around that. Because at the end of the day, as long as you're meeting the baseline of the most stringent, the minimum requirements there are your most stringent, every other state or every other jurisdiction it should be fine. Will there be nuances to timelines? Of course, some might say 24 business hours, 48 hours, whatever it might be for reporting things, but that can be managed through people. When you're setting up your processes for your data flow diagrams, looking at the levels of encryption that you're putting in, where you're putting encryption in, which was a fun lesson learned that recently for me, you have to be looking at the, the, the most crucial and gruesome laws and regulations to meet them. So you don't get those fines and penalties, which are very serious. And then I would say automation is going to be your friend. Anything that anywhere you can build automation in, and I don't mean large language models and and things like that, but infrastructure as code or things of that nature, like access management, automating the, the people, when people can move into different groups and things like that to keep the access management flowing without the approvers, certain conditions are met, just grant them the access. Keeping in mind what we've already known in security, which is least privilege, right? Least privilege in role-based access has been around for a long time, but putting those things in place to make sure that your entry-level knock operator doesn't have access to critical customer contracts or customer data or employee data. Yeah. And that's kind of, that sounds like a, oh, duh. But those basics that we've always had in security around least privilege and role-based access definitely come into play here because then it's you're less likely to have a data breach, which under GDPR, just viewing someone's data that is a European citizen is a breach. So it's not Ooh. processing it. It's not downloading it and and exfiltrating it from a company. It's just the simple fact that you looked at it can be an issue. I I guess I never realized that just viewing is considered, it makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Again, it goes like the letter of the law versus the intent of the law, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense, 
But whenever you've got the mission in mind and, and you're operating, which is why least privilege is so important is because when you are executing or you are just targeting for your mission, that's all you have. Like, just go forth. Mm -hmm. If it's there, I'm going to access it because it's there and right. it might have relevant information, not realizing that. So the HR thing. I know that we're trying to stay on time today, but the HR portion is actually very interesting to me, um, especially as a culture and as a society where we've been so open with our information. You and I are guilty of this too at times. Um, I, I think we're a little bit more stringent than the average user, but there are things that both you and I have done celebrating birthdays on social media. Obviously that birth date because somebody somewhere is gonna be like, oh my God, you're turning 29 again. Yep. That's right. Nine. Mm -hmm. 29. <laughs> um, but then now like it's okay. So now I've actually unintentionally mm -hmm. leaked my birthday, right? right? Or we're out at a conference. We're out at RSA and it's like, Hey, we're at RSA conference. And now all of a sudden, now you're geolocating yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think culturally, data privacy in the US has not been taken as serious because of the openness and the willingness to share that social media platforms have created. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. But in my opinion, I think you're more in control, of your, which data privacy is not meant to be. Don't tell anybody. Right. Like, like our social security numbers. <gasps> Keep it to yourself. Are you kidding me? Everyone's social security number is already way out there. <laughs> like it was never designed. To, it was never intended to be as it is now. It was not right. designed to be what it is, what it's turned into. But the like the whole, oh, like happy birthday, Taylor. You could easily say to me, I don't want people knowing it's my birthday. And I think as a just a nice human being, I should take it down. But data privacy is about you having the control over who has access to your data. The security aspect is just making sure that those options, those checkboxes that you've checked or not checked are able to be executed on in a manner that meets the, those objectives, right? So if I say I'm opting out of certain things, okay, don't send me those marketing emails anymore. Or if I'm opting in to you using my data for testing purposes, then the expectation there is that you're going, I've given you my consent. So now you're going to go and do that. But that, that the key with that one is that although I've granted that consent, I should be able to withdraw it at any time. And that's missing in the US side is the ability to change your mind and pivot, as I love to say, but, uh, away from that. But it's, it's really interesting, right? Because I think birthdays, there used to be a website, I'm not going to say it on here now, but I used to go to that website and put my family members' names in and see all the public information that they have on them yeah. and request that it get removed. And I would do that constantly, especially after someone dies. I was like, let's take their name down. You don't need to know they used to live in West Roxbury and all this stuff. See, now I got a piece of information. They, they, they've been long gone. So that's okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that one. It's like people don't know, like ignorance is bliss. They don't know what's out there. So I was always, right. before I even got into security, I was taking it upon myself to go and look and see. Because there's a website and it's a public website. It's called Mass Money Save or massmoney.com or something where like, you can go and you can put your name in 
and some other, I don't know what, I haven't been in a while, but like some other identifying features. You can see if there's been any unclaimed property in your name. So stocks, paychecks, if someone's died and left you something in their will and you've never claimed it after, I think it's like after seven years, it becomes unclaimed property and the state gets it. Every state should have something like this. But if they know your details, they go in there and they can commit fraud in that way too. So data privacy is much bigger than people realize that it is. There's a lot of other risks and, and unknowns. So it's different. A different approach is needed here in the U.S. And I definitely, I would love to lobby for more privacy laws and in, in be better practices at the, the the corporate level around sharing customer information or even employee information at every organization that's out there because we live in a data world, but it's been monetized so much, which then just leads to more people wanting to hack and try to get around those security controls so that they can make the money. So yeah, capitalism at its finest. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so I think based off the conversation that we're having, privacy is here to stay. There's, Absolutely. there's no road for it to get brushed under the rug and get swept up in, in anything else. No, I don't think it's possible anymore, especially with the court cases that are still ongoing. And the U.S. is eyeing like, ooh, what's Europe doing? What's Canada doing? And, and monitoring the space there. And there are draft regulations that have been put out in front of Congress. This hasn't been prioritized. So I would say lobby your congressmen and women if your privacy is important to you. I do. I, I write it in because I'm just a nerd. But it's definitely going to continue to shape the way companies handle data. Right now we've got AI, we've got data lakes. There's a whole lot more data that's not even necessary sometimes. We just collect data to collect data. So not having that minimization and the usefulness, like the purposeness of having that data that comes into question here in the U.S. because no one's ever stopped it, but it's there. It's there for sure. And yeah. You should probably check that website you were talking about to see if congressman ever got your mail or if you should go down to the post office and just collect it since it has been about seven years since anyone else has written a letter. We all use this weird thing now called email. Yeah, that's, um, I've done that. I've done email and I don't, I get his weekly, his name's Jake Oshenkloss and I get his weekly emails or well, whenever he sends them. I'm on it. Listen, I am on it. I love it. <laughs> we, we highlighted, but is it is data privacy week. This year, they came out with a new theme. I want to run the theme by you. I just want to get like your thoughts, like your quick reaction to what this year's theme is and what you can expect around that theme. Um, so National Cybersecurity Alliance themed Data Privacy Week this year of take control of your data. How do you think that these themes and focuses will help drive better decision making? I think it's so crucial that people understand what and who have access to their data. So taking that control back, going into your phone, going into your privacy settings, seeing how many apps actually have access to your location, how many apps have access to your microphone, how many have access to your contact list, your email, your social media accounts. Where do those social media accounts point to? What did they have access to? Your microphone. Everyone says, oh, I was just talking about... Ha having a vacation in Tahiti and all of a sudden there's ads on Tahiti. It's 
I promise you, if you text me tomorrow with the screenshot of some resort vacation in Tahiti, we're going to have to record this in like a newspaper station on, <laughs> with a stenographer or something. Yeah. Uh, I am tired of targeted ads. Yeah. It's just too much, right? It's, it's overkill at this point. I think that the whole point of that messaging is take the control back. You don't need to give access to everybody, to everything all the time. We talked about burnout before and people having access to you all the time. It's not necessary. And they, not everyone needs to have access to your data. Why does your banking app need to know who your contacts are in your list, like in your phone list? Why? That's not necessary. But what if I refer them and get $500 in three years? They put they can put your name in as a referral. But right? how, like, how else will I get that coupon for 20% off if I order six times? Oh, God. Yeah, that's that drives me nuts. I get that too, actually. But they're tracking your spending habits at the grocery stores. And if you use your card there, your your loyalty card, that's how they send you the those things. So your app doesn't necessarily need to have access to that either. But it's going through and making those decisions for yourself, controlling it and owning it and saying, you know what, I am okay. Or, oh my God, I'm not okay. And I need to change this right now. Which I had that moment like a year ago when I went through my phone and realized that I had given way more access than I meant to, or that I realized, I'm sure I meant to at the time, but didn't think about the, the longevity of it. So I think that do that check. Like it's like a health check. Just go through, see what your privacy settings are, go through all your apps, make sure that you're in control of who has that access, plain and simple. I, I do think that there's a mental well-being of that aspect too. If you feel more secure using your device or the controls that you have put into your device, I think there's power in that. And mm -hmm. being able to use the phone for some of its more intended purposes of like quick access to information, ability to ask questions or get a hold of people. Yep. But we've created this subconscious FOMO culture. Which is why, even to your point, right? Like you meant to enable location services, maybe on one of the social media apps, because rather than typing in the, the address or the location you were at, it was easier to just say, locate me. Having fun here at XYZ in Barcelona or something. Because you wanted to convey a message, not realizing the privacy implication of what that would have downturn. Mm -hmm. Because now all of a sudden you and your husband are out to dinner and all of a sudden maybe you're at like Morton's Steakhouse or something, something random. <laughs> nice, night, nice night out. The girls and Ollie are obviously at home because no one wants to pay those kind of prices for five people. <laughs> but now you get a coupon, right? Or the next time you access social media, it's, oh, fine dining here at... And so th I, there are long-term implications. I think that we do have to become more rigid. I think, it, like I said in the beginning, I think it starts with a strong cybersecurity culture. I think culture drives everything from initiatives to execution, to adoption, to you know, fostering a community of transparency that people aren't afraid to say, hey, I think I made a data privacy mistake. Yeah, and admitting it is, and saying coming forward is very important because those awesome timelines of, from when you identify and then report, that's very important. 
That's, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. That is super important. <laughs> yeah, you need as much lead time as possible. Yep. Perfect. I, we've talked about data privacy a lot. Any closing remarks, any final thoughts on data privacy, cybersecurity, targeted ads? <laughs> I would say if you are a cybersecurity professional, to look into the data privacy certifications that are out there. It helped me, excuse me, it helped me tremendously to understand what the customers are asking for, why it was important, and how to build the programs to fit the organizations I've been at different sizes and different jurisdictions in play. My certification is through the IAPP, International Association of Privacy Professionals. They are not sponsoring this. This is just my opinion is that they they provide the most up-to-date information as well as resources to help you if you, all of a sudden your company wants to open a location or process data from a customer in, in a new location and you need to do your homework there. So yeah, I think that would be what all I have to say about that. I love it. I think that the one thing I would close with is you, when you start talking about privacy, that there are things that have worked and things that haven't worked. I think that you have to bring all of your past experiences together to formulate the best plan going forward, because what worked in the past or at a previous company may not work now. What works now may not have worked at a past company for you. So I think that, there, but there's power in those lessons learned and the controls that you've previously implemented or the paths that you've been down, they can provide insight into building those successful programs and creating that culture that that I think every company really wants to strive for, whether they outwardly admit that they want to be cybersecurity centric or not. I imagine gaming companies are just as cybersecurity aware as SaaS products, as hardware companies. So all of those things I think have interoperability and there's a way that with all of our learned experience that I, I hope that regulations and laws come out of this in the future. Yep, completely agree. Awesome. Kayla, it was great catching up. I know that we've got some things planned, but I guess we will say farewell for now. That's great. Thanks, everyone. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lockdown Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit ITSPMagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. Thank you.